Hi, my name is Briar Rose, um, and I am a suicide witness survivor. So uh, I met my boyfriend in college, and then like four years later, I witnessed his death over the phone, uh, and he died by suicide. Um, so I guess I'll just start at the beginning, a very good place to start, as they say. Uh, so I met him, I said I met him in college, but really I met him when I was in high school auditioning for colleges because I was uh, auditioning to be a musical theater major. So I am from LA and I flew to Texas to audition for this college there. And at the time I had a boyfriend, but I met this guy and his name was Lance and he just like shook my hand. He had these like piercing green eyes and like I swear my heart like dropped all the way to my stomach and it was just like this instant like oh my gosh, he's really cute. And like later I found out <laughs> we were talking about when we first met, I thought he found he thought the same thing about me. And so we met at the dance call at our audition for our university that we both got into. Um, and then we met again later when we had like started going to college. Um, and I could kind of just, I have like a sixth sense for people who are sad or depressed. I just yeah. like have a big heart. And so... Um, I could kind of tell that he was down one day and my friends and I used to go to this place called Fort Imagination. It was like a kid's playground that said Fort Imagination on it and we just play a bunch of games and stuff in there, just be like goofy theater kids together. Um, and so everyone was like, let's go. And my friend Shelby invited me and I could like see him just like sitting in the corner and like that was like when our friendship like really began because I was like, hey, like what's up? How are you? You don't look too good. And he just like opened up to me and like I feel like that started our friendship because like we are just like the way we were was just very much like a supportive network for each other. Like we were just like down. We were like there for each other when we were down and like there for each other when we had big wins and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, so that's kind of like the main time that I met him. Uh, and then we became very close uh, just by nature because there's only like 12 people in the theater program that I was in. So all of us were just good friends. Yeah. So he was a great, fun friend of mine. So I guess I wanted to establish first that we were friends for the first time. Uh, we were friends first before, like, we were, like, anything else. And how long were you guys friends for? Well, that's the thing. We were, like, friends for three years, but there was a part, uh, there was, like, a section in that when we weren't friends because I had to set some boundaries with him. But I still very much, like, loved him, but just from afar. Right. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, because the first, like, so he had... He has a he had a history of like suicide attempts. Even before we got to college, uh, we were in our acting class and we had to do like a monologue that we wrote about us, and it was about like a suicide attempt he'd had. So I knew that about him, and there was a part of me that always liked him, but was like kind of um, just wary because of that. And also, he's a bombastic personality, and I like felt just a little bit embarrassed to like that. Mm -hmm. And he was just like really out there as a person so I was like I just kept my distance and I'm the type of person when I like somebody I just like sit on it I don't right. do anything about it um so I didn't do anything about it for like three years um but one time so we had this group chat for like the 12 people that I mentioned that were in um my theater group we had a group chat and then one day Lance just texted help I'm in the dance room and so in the group chat yeah and so like we all like were eating at the cafeteria and we all just like a couple of us just walked over there and then my other friend Gabby walked over there and she walked from somewhere else so she got there first and she just found him like lying in the dance room floor and he had like swallowed a bunch of pills and he had like thrown them up and he was like kind of half conscious so she went and got a professor I think maybe she called 911 I can't remember but we all got there and I was like imagining the worst I thought maybe he had hung himself or something um, but he was just lying there and was like kind of semi-conscious. So I kind of just like held him and hugged him while we waited for the paramedics to get there. And then they got there. And we went to a religious school, so we all just like prayed for him and stuff like that. Um, so that was really hard and sad uh, just because it was like my first encounter with something like that. I just had this innate love for him from the beginning. And so it really hurt when that happened. And I just was crying. And I just didn't understand it. Um, but basically that happened and then that was near the end of the school year and uh we were like um I'm sorry um we were talking over the phone and texting over the summer just you know I was just being friends and being supportive and 
being like helping each other because I had my own issues with depression and stuff too. And so, uh, but I remember it getting like really exhausting uh, just because he was a lot to like help and he was a lot to handle in terms of his emotions. It's very emotionally draining, yeah. I think, because you're you're not only dealing with your own life and your own emotions, but when you're when you're dealing with somebody that also has depression and also has their own battles that they're dealing with, it's almost like if you're a really nice, caring person, you take that on yeah. yourself, and it's like you can't. There was some definite like, codependency there where you couldn't like blur the lines yeah. between my emotions and his emotions, right? Which like comes into play as a big factor when we date mm-hmm. like later. Um, but yeah, so we came back like our sophomore year, and we were still friends and stuff. Uh, and oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this whole part. Uh, let me get ready to tell the story. Uh, so like uh, we were just like hanging out a lot, and like we like cuddled. Uh, we were walking around campus and we just like sat on like some steps and we're just like kind of chilling. He had his arm around me and like kind of like cuddling, kind of, because you can't really cuddle on steps, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then he literally like asked me, he's like, what do you like to do? Do you want to go on a date? And I was like stone cold because I freaked out and I was like, um, I like to do nothing. I like to stay home alone by myself and he was like totally shut him down yeah and i was like why did i say that that was it was like the most monotone voice too um but he wanted to date and i was like considering it my sophomore year because like the feels were developing but then what happened is like we were talking about dating or something like that we were texting about it and i don't remember exactly what happened but basically i like i think i said no to it or like something i there was some it might not not have been about dating but it was some like discourse that we had that was like a bit of a spat Mm -hmm. and then like the next like mm, like i think my friend said that he found him in that same dance room like sitting and sleeping next to a noose and so like it felt this like it felt like this really bad like cause and effect where i was like oh i don't want me and my romantic relationships to be entangled in like the suicidality and right. I don't want for you to be, think it's okay for me like rejecting you to be an okay reason to like just sleep next to a noose in a public place um and I texted him about it and I was basically like why did you do that was it because of what happened between us and he was basically said yeah and I was like that's I mean I know he asked the question but like you should have been like not put the blame on me and so I remember talking to my therapist about it and I was like hey I'm not really sure that I want to be friends with him anymore because or be a part of his support system um because I just don't feel comfortable with that uh and that was the crazy thing too is that like after his first attempt um our freshman year he like went to like a mental hospital and they like required him to have a support system and like make a list. And it was me and my friend Christian who were on that support system. And it was this weird like sense of like pride that other people had for us that like we were on that support system that like, oh, look, they're like going to be really good people and help him through all his troubles and stuff like from just people like not my peers, but more like, I don't know, just like the the professors in my Mm -hmm. community. And I could be reading it wrong. But, and, like, from my therapist, too, of just, like, like, this is great. Like, she's going to be involved. And I just wish that someone had, like, sat me down and been, like, this is, like, to prepare you for what it means to support it's a suicide. Yeah. For like, I'm 19. You know what I mean? Like, you have to tell me what it means to support a suicidal person. And, like, no one, like, from the hospital or anything, like, went over with me, like, any boundaries or guidelines I could have with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, looking back on that, I get kind of, like, upset and angry that, like, I didn't get that type of like support for myself too and it's also hard because it's like how are you supposed to set that boundary when you view view this person as a good friend of yours and somebody that you care so deeply about it's like very very hard to do both things yeah for sure i know yeah and that was the thing is like when i set that boundary of like not being his friend i still very much like deeply loved him but from a distance and it's not like it's somebody that you had no history with or that you didn't know so it, it makes it very difficult to separate that yeah for sure and I think that's what's so hard about being like a suicide witness survivor is like witnessing that and like not taking it on as your own darkness you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but we'll get to that later (laughs) um but yeah so 
basically he had like his so he had a second attempt again our sophomore year on the same time um i actually oh yeah i do remember how this one happened um and he basically took a mixture of nyquil and sleeping pills which acts like meth in your body or something i think that's correct Mm -hmm. and it was like an overdose a drug overdose essentially would that be correct i don't know anything about drugs i don't either (laughs) (laughs) um and i had went home for spring break and then i had been dealing with a lot of issues at my degree and wondering whether or not i was going to get to graduate with my degree and so it was really nice to come back from like it wasn't really nice but it was really nice to have a nice break and then I was just really angry at him because I was like I come back from a break and then this happens and like I was dealing with all these questions about whether or not I was going to get a degree and I was feeling depressed and stuff and then I came back from a break and was rejuvenated and then like my friend Christian who was on the support system found him in his dorm room and like this time it was like more serious um, because the first time he swallowed pills and threw them up right and this time it was like no one can find him and they hadn't heard it from him because it was um, the first day back at classes and he wasn't around. So if like Christian, my friend, hadn't found him, he would have just died. Yeah. And uh, like my professor was with Lance uh, when he was at the hospital the second time and she felt like a lump in his arm. And she was like asking the doctor, like, what is this lump? And basically when he took the... Uh, combination of those NyQuil and the sleeping pills um he like fell off the bed and he like got like he got something similar to like what like soldiers get in the field like when they get like shocked from like a really hard blow Mm -hmm. uh and so it like he could have lost his arm essentially from like the way he fell and like it, it, it did something to his muscles and so he had this like weird like contraption on his arm uh, after he got like he had to get surgery on his arm to fix it and he had this like giant scar at that was like all the way up from like the wrist to like the forearm and he had to get like a contraption to like help with like the nerves and like movement movement. yeah and like it was just hard because like he was really bombastic about it again he's like oh my gosh I almost lost my arm like almost bragging about it um and like we were in a dance class we're always in a dance class in this story (laughs) but uh and he was just like showing people showing it off to people and stuff and we were like you almost lost your life bro like not just your arm um and so what would he what would he say about that did uh, you guys ever say that to him or you were just thinking it uh like you almost lost your Mm -hmm. life yeah he literally said like because i i got um dinner with him to basically tell him because when I had like stopped being friends with him I didn't really tell him that I just like distanced yourself distanced myself and then like with his attitudes afterwards I was like listen this hurts too much to be your friend if you're going to keep doing this and like also you can't be so bombastic about this and uh I was just kind of like He's like, well, it's kind of cool. I almost lost my arm, right? I was like, no, you almost lost your life. Like, you almost died. And I was, like, crying at this, like, dinner that I had with him because I was like, I love you and, like, you're my friend and I can't be your friend anymore because, like, it just hurts too much to see, like, someone I care about not believe that they're worthy of love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I just remember feeling, like, really angry at him because, like, he just was so dismissive of what he had done, you know? Mm-hmm. And I and it's a fine balance, and I don't want anyone to, like, get angry at me for, like, playing those ways to him and, like, you know, not supporting him after he went through that. But there is, like, a sense of protection that you need to give right. yourself to those things as well. Yeah. You know? Would he have a reaction when he would see you crying? Uh, I, or was just dismissive? I think it was part. more just, like, almost, again, that bombastic pride yeah. where like oh look this girl cares about me so much and like he had gotten like a girlfriend um like the day after his suicide attempt this girl started dating and, I, and him started dating and I was like and he had told me later he's like yeah I was kind of hoping you were jealous and I was like that's just like not the attitude you should be having yeah when you're going through something so serious he opened up to me a lot about his high school girlfriend and how he felt like bad for like cheating on her and like mistreating her um and just like he became a person of faith after college or after high school and so he felt like all the things he did with her like sexually like weren't okay yeah and he was like feeling really guilty about like that. On to that yeah so we like talked about that a lot um but 
that's pretty much all, I, all I'd want to say about mm-hmm. like his past. Yeah, his past. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, basically we weren't friends like actively. We talked a little bit and stuff, and were cordial to each other because we were like in the same theater program with only like fifty students in the mm-hmm. program. Um, but like probably fall my sophomore year to like spring my junior year. Um, we were cast in a show together, so I kind of think that's why we started being friends again. Um, and we uh, we both, I think we bonded over the fact that we didn't like the show we were casting because it was James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't know if I, I feel bad if my professors hear this. I'm so sorry, Don and Adam and Donna, because I love them, but I just was not a fan of that story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I... Um, we, I remember like one time we were like in my car and we were just screaming at the top of our lungs like, we hate this show, like screw this show. And like, it was just a good time to get to know him again because it was a lighthearted show. So it was like nothing too serious. Yeah. Um, it was like a positive moment yeah, between it, you guys. Yeah, for sure. And it was like, it was also one of those things where I had just like liked him since I first saw him. Like I said earlier, like my heart like dropped to my stomach when I met him. I just thought he was like so cute. Mm-hmm. But I was also just so afraid to date him because he was just like a weird dude. Like he literally would like to show off. He would be like, ah, and just like literally rip his shirt off like in public, like around our friends as a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was just like that kind of character. And like we all loved him for it, but we were all like, whoa, this guy's a lot. <laughs> like, um, So, uh, yeah. Um, but I remember we were just we just hung out a lot during that show. And uh Basically, we started like having a thing. So we went to this place at my school called Jacob's Dream. Um, and it's a story uh, from the Bible about when like this man, Jacob, wrestled with God and like the angels or something like that. So it's like this really cute like um, like area. It's got like a, this sculpture of like this man climbing up a ladder with like angels around him. And if there's like a watery place by it and there's grass. And so we're hanging out and of course it's like after rehearsal ends and rehearsal ends at like 11 o'clock at night and like nothing good happens after mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night. And so we're just talking and I'm being all flirty and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Lance. And um, I was like, man, I'm about to be like, a, I'm about to be a senior like because it's, it's our spring semester. It's like, and I said to him, I was like, I would really regret if I like, graduated college and never kissed you and then like he kissed me that night and so like after that it was just like a snowball of mm-hmm. just like getting to know each other and like me doing these mental gymnastics to be like I can't date this guy he has all these red flags and like he's so weird and like dyes his hair rainbow colors and like is so like outspoken and out there um, but I basically like strung him along <laughs> for like two months, which is like pretty terrible. Um, but I did that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we got cast in a show as like a uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. And so like that wasn't helpful to my case either of not dating this man. <laughs> um, but yeah, we went on a couple of dates and he was really cute. He was like, um, he was like, can you just like be my girlfriend for a day? And he was, I was like, okay, sure. Like, I'll just, and he's like, I'll just take you to the zoo. And like, we did this cute date. And he like made me like, uh, he's like, I'm really, I want to make you dinner. So he made me like these wings because his family's really good at barbecuing. But of course, like they all fell out in the oven. And then like, we tried to make a cake together and he like dropped the eggs everywhere. It was just like, it was a hot mess express, but it was really cute. Um, Do you think his mental health was any better during that period? I think it was a lot better during that period um, because he had like two attempts and he didn't have an attempt for like two years until the final one that died when he okay. died. Um, and I feel like at the beginning of us dating, it was like a lot better. But then as we started getting more serious, our both of our mental health is health like went down. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah, I don't have any, like, vivid memories of him being super depressed during those times. Like, I can later when we started dating my senior year, like, officially. Um, but I feel like we were a good match for each other at that time. And he was just excited to be a senior and excited to graduate and all that stuff. And then, like, once we became seniors, like, the reality of it started hitting him yeah. and stuff, you know? Um, but basically, we didn't, like make it official and then we came back and it's actually kind of like really sad because um his 
his best friend was like a girl and it was like totally platonic so like no like cheating or anything there um but she was on a motorcycle ride with her boyfriend at the time and they like crashed into a pole and both of them died and so uh we came back and that happened in October and like as awful as this is to say like that was kind of like the catalyst as to like why we got together because mm-hmm. I was like I don't know I just I came over and I supported him and like I kissed him that same night and I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I feel like I'm taking advantage of like your vulnerability, but he was fine with it because I don't know. Um, So that was like the catalyst for our relationship. But I gave him like a like I only gave him two. I feel bad because we said like, let's like give it two weeks until we start dating. And in retrospect, like having had my own grief with him passing, like just feels like such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But we had also liked each other for so long. And also we were like um, in before his friend his best friend passed away um he was like such a sweet and wonderful person so we were like still like doing that thing that's like old like beating around the bush cat and mouse thing where we were like dating but not and then we just decided to make it official but we didn't and so we were it was cute because we were like opening our homecoming show for our last senior year and it was the first like day of us being officially dating and so i would say like the first like three months of it were really good there are some moments that were like me not great but like pretty normal nothing like abnormal for a relationship um and it was what's crazy is I was like talking to my therapist and I was like yeah my biggest fear is that I date him and he dies and he kills himself and I never in my mind just like dreams imagined that like I would witness his death as well like that didn't even I didn't even know that people went through that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, so my therapist was like, I feel like he learned his lesson and he's grown a lot because I went to a small college and my therapist was also his therapist. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but then what happened is we went to New York for a study, like away program that was like connected to our university. And like that's when start things started going downhill because we both struggled a lot with our mental health in college and like we just both weren't prepared for the reality of New York and just how hard it is to live there. Um, And so to be honest, I wanted to break up with him in February, but I had had, honestly, his mental health was like doing better, I would say, uh, better than mine, but mine had been like the worst it had been and has ever been when like, like the fall of my senior year, Um, not because of the relationship or anything, although later the relationship did affect it. But um, I just like, I just knew in February that we should break up because I was like, we're becoming very codependent. He's starting to become like a bit of an, just like, I remember we went to a show and I didn't like the show because we went to go see, we we're theater majors, so we went to go see this New York show and I said I didn't like it. And he goes, fuck you, I thought it was great. And it was just like in front of all my friends and it was just like super rude. And he was also just become he was just becoming like really rude to me. I wouldn't say it was like verbally abusive or anything like that. Um, but it was just like not the Lance I knew. And I think it was because like he was just wasn't prepared. And I think that's what makes me so sad is like I don't think that Lance I knew and became friends with as a person that I ended up dating. Like yeah. he was a better friend than he was a boyfriend. So I knew that we should like break up, but I was like I can't because I'm so miserably depressed and I don't really have much of a support system out here in New York. And I just don't think that I'll be okay if I break up with him. And like, I need somebody who's like at least there for me, even if they're not like the best person. And I and I knew that we were being, we kind of ha- had some codependent tendencies because like when he was up, I was up and he was down, I was down type thing. Like when he was depressed, I was depressed. And when he was okay, I was okay. Um, and I didn't love that about that. I was like, I don't feel super proud of that. But I kind of had to, I felt like I had to, even though I had a choice. In retrospect, I had a choice, but like it felt like I had to stay with him. Also, I didn't have access to therapy at that point. That was really, I had like one, I could do like um, teletherapy, but it just wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. Just isn't the same. Um, but basically in April, this is like when it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. We He was really upset one day and we were on the bus going to a museum and he said, uh, dating you makes me, want, makes me depressed and makes me want to kill myself. 
And in my head, I was like, what the hell? Like, you yeah. can't just say that to me in public. And I was like, okay, like, hold, please. <laughs> We're going to have this conversation, like, a little while later because I'm not about to, like, get into why dating me makes you want to kill yourself on a bus in front of strangers. And we went to this museum, and it was fine, and then I brought it up the next day. And he was like, I didn't say that. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I don't think he was gaslighting me. I think it's truly one of those things when people are, like, in a mental – he was, like, really, really, really depressed that day too – when people are really depressed, they don't have a connection to themselves and they can't remember things that yeah. they say, you know what I mean, or do. They, like, disassociate. Yeah, they do. And so it wasn't, like, I don't think it was, like, a gaslighting type thing because he was, like, what are you talking about? I would never say that to you. It's awful. Yeah. And I was, like, but you did say that and, like, I can't date you anymore because of that. Right. Um. But, again, <laughs> the same thing happened where I was, like, oh, but, like, my birthday's coming up. And I don't like it was like the end of April and my birthday was May 4th. Star Wars birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to like be alone on my birthday. And I just feel like I would be sad. And I called my mom about it. And she's like, yeah, just like because you can just like break up after your birthday. So we kind of had like a planned breakup where we knew when New York ended, we were going to break up. Um, which was fine because like I told him when we started dating, I was like, I don't really see this as like a long-term thing and we're about to be like end of our senior year. So like, should we really date? And he was like, yeah, we can just like date for fun until we're like graduating. Mm -hmm. So it kind of ran its course. Um, and then I like saw him at graduation. It was awkward. <laughs> Cause you guys were broken up at this yeah, point. Okay. Yeah. And he was awkward about it. And like, I saw his dad there, I, like met his dad and that was awkward too uh but uh i i could just sense that he was like down like not doing well and like he there was this party that everyone was throwing for like the like that not everyone was throwing this party that this girl was throwing for everyone um in our theater class for like uh graduation and everything and his dad like wouldn't let him go because he uh they had to get get to the airport or like drive home or something and like he really wanted to go because it was like the last time he was going to see everybody i could tell he was super down about that and that is like one thing i regret too like, not that i regret that it just makes me sad that like before he died he didn't get to like hang out and say right. goodbye to everybody you know what i mean um but basically like two weeks went by and we decided to stay friends because we had been friends since the beginning so we texted a little bit we facetimed a little bit but it wasn't like every day yeah. or and it wasn't like that type of thing where people are broken up but they're still dating type thing right. we just, just like staying in touch yeah yeah and so and we're still like being each other's support system and everything because that's like the main like theme and thread of our friendship and so um i went home and i was like talking to my friends i was like i can't wait to like start dating again it's like tasting different ice cream flavors and you gotta like find your Neapolitan and like find like the person that's got like everything you need in one. And I was like, I'm so excited. And so like I went on a Bumble date and I was texting him and he was like down again. And I was like, man, I feel like in my gut, I was like, I feel like I wanna text Lance and not this guy and, I, and not go on a date with this guy. And I was like, well, I'm already here, I'll just go. And the date was fine and it was, like nothing to write home about, but it wasn't like awful. Um, but the thing that happened is at the end of the day, he kissed me and like that made me uncomfortable just because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And I was like anxious about it for like a day. And I went home. I hadn't told Lance that I'd gone on a date. I went home that night after the date and um, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I, it'd be rude to tell him that I wanted a date and someone kissed me and made me uncomfortable. We just broke up. I'm not going to tell him that. But I couldn't sleep that night, and the next night I couldn't sleep either. Or, like, the next day I was still anxious about it, I think. Yeah, it was the next day I was still anxious about it. And I was like, hey, that thing I told you about, like, this is why I was anxious. This guy kissed me and it made me really uncomfortable. And I just, like, went on the first date with him, and I just didn't feel like I, like, consented to that kiss. Not that it was, like, assault or anything because it was just a kiss, but it, I wasn't weren't ready. Yeah, I yeah. just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Um, and so um, he kind of, like went like MIA on me after that he said something and I could just tell that he was like not okay with mm -hmm. the fact that I texted him that and I felt really bad but what's wild about it is um one day 
in New York. I was thinking of, I was thinking back to this one day in New York, the same day I texted him about the guy. And he was suicidal that day and he was like drinking and he was like talking about he was sitting on his balcony. I was like, This is not good. <laughs> I don't like the idea of you like maybe like jumping off your balcony or yeah. something. So I took his alcohol and I like poured it down the drain. He was really mad at me, but I was like, You're gonna get drunk, you're suicidal, you're already getting a little drunk. I don't think this is a good idea. Actually, I don't think he was drunk at all. Um, he just, I just didn't think it was a good idea. Right. Uh, and so um, I remember him talking to me and him being like, yeah, like if I don't, I'm just like scared to graduate and I'm just like super depressed because I don't think I'm going to make it as a theater person. It's hard to make it as a theater person. So I get it. I get the fear. And he was like, if I don't make it by the time I'm like 30, I'm just going to kill myself. And I remember just being like, so we were sitting in his bed and he said that. And I was like, man, like, I feel like that is just like suicide alley in the future is still suicide alley in the present. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old and you say you're going to kill yourself in 10 years, which turned out to be true because he died like a month after he said that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like trying to resolve that with him, but we never got to resolve that. Like I never got to be like get to a point with him where we decided like yeah we're not going to kill ourselves before we're like 30 like you're not going to do that not we as a me but like him um and so I remember like walking around my backyard that day after I texted him about the guy and I was like man we never resolved that conversation I wonder if that means he's going to kill himself and like he killed himself like that night which is just wild to me like the intuition right but like one thing that was really important to me that I hang on to as I was like thinking about it in my head I was walking around my backyard I realized if he does kill himself it's not my fault you know what I mean and I had gotten lunch with my friend like two weeks earlier after we had broken up and I was like yeah and like I know at the end of the day that like I did everything within my power to help him and I truly do believe that and it's taken me forever to get to that part of my heart and realize that because like I felt that way after we broke up and after we dated, but not after he died. Right. Um, and so basically that happened, and I had this, like, eerie feeling that he might die. Uh, if I didn't know, it would be, like, that night. And I get a, I'm sitting in my, like, childhood bedroom. I'm, like, it's, like, pink walls. It's being, like, renovated because my parents are moving out, but it's, like, very calming, like, childhood bedroom, flowers everywhere. I got, like, a teddy bear. <laughs> I have my therapy teddy bear that all my friends used to, like, sit on this white chair I had and, like, hold therapy teddy bear and, like, tell me about their problems. I still have him. He's, like, covered in everybody's tears. Mm-hmm. I love him. And his name is Therapy Teddy Bear. It's not, like, it's Therapy Teddy yeah. Bear. That's what his name is. Um, and so I'm, like, sitting on the bed, and I actually still have this, like, stuffed monkey uh, that – he gave me because he gave me a stuffed monkey not a stuffed bear mm-hmm. he gave me a monkey and so like while i'm sitting on the bed i took it home with me because i was like i like this monkey and it's like it's like five feet tall i think it's cool uh and i still have it and i'm really glad because it's like a remembrance of him yeah. um and then he calls me at like 6 40 time is like burned into my brain and he says like i could just i could just tell like something was off when i picked up the phone like, his voice was really deep and gravelly, and it didn't sound like him. And to be honest, I don't remember, like, what the first thing he said was to me. But it was just this, like, I was like, hi, are you okay? And he was like, he was like, I just feel like I'm worth nothing, and, like, I'm never going to make it as an actor. And, like, I'm just going to be a bartender for the rest of my life. And it was not a good situation because I think he was, like, left at home alone for, like, a week or two, which is just bad for a person who struggles with that type of like stuff because he really thrived in community and so I think that was just like not a good environment for him it wasn't like anybody's like fault that he was left home alone but like I think his dad had to go on like a work trip or something like that and he I was just sitting on the bed and he just like being spiraling and spiraling and like he kept on talking about how like I met that the fact that we dated meant nothing to me and that like uh he meant nothing to me and I was like what are you talking about he's like well you already like went on a date with this other guy and like, I could tell that it was like this cause and effect the same cause and effect it had that had happened like two years earlier when I had rejected him and he like ended up sleeping next to a noose in the dance room 
And I was like trying to convince him. And he's like, no, don't say that. I remember him saying that like in a super like, like upset and almost angry voice. Like he didn't want the pity almost, you know what I mean? But I wasn't pitying him. I was just being honest. Like it meant something to me that we did and I loved him. Um, and I was like, I could just tell. And, you know, I remember when I went to high school, my Bible teacher like walked us through how to help somebody who's suicidal, which is like pretty, pretty cool that he did that. Um, but you, you asked them like if they, I think if they have a plan, I can't remember if they have a plan, if they have a, like a way to enact that plan and like when they're going to do it or something like that. And our code word between like him and me when he was feeling suicidal was like, are you safe? And he said, yes. And I said, do you have a plan? And he didn't answer that question. And I was like, okay, that's not a good sign. He just went silent. And so then I uh, took down a piece of paper. I said, what's your address? Because I he had gone back to, he's from Texas, but I think his dad was in Louisiana. So he's with okay. his dad in Louisiana at the time. So I'm in California and he's in Louisiana. And so I write down his address and I'm like, just trying to talk him through. Like, I'm like, is anyone home? He's like, no. And I'm like, this is bad. I could just tell that he was like suicidal. And I had a feeling he was going to kill himself, even though he said he was safe. I just didn't trust it. And I was scared because I wasn't like near him. I couldn't like do anything about it. And um, I tried to get him to go with his dog downstairs because he was in the attic and I was like oh fuck nothing ever good happens in the attic <laughs> like all the movies you see when people die like they come bursting down to the attic mm -hmm. and their feet are just dangling I was like yeah no like get out of the attic dude um and so I was like just um really worried and stressed and he was just going on and on about like how I never cared about him which really is hard for those to be like the last things that he said to me and it was also one of those things where, like, he just wasn't himself. Like, he wasn't, I just, like, didn't have a sense. It's, like, almost like this darkness had overcome him. And, like, I had walked him through his suicide before. And, like, this time felt just so much heavier and darker. And, like, there's a difference between somebody who's going to, like, the darkness. Like, I've learned this from my experience with him. There's a huge jump of in, like, emotion and darkness from a person who is, like, feeling like they might kill themselves so a person who's like actually going to do it and they are like for sure going to die um and like it's interesting to me because there's like a power almost like a de demonic presence that has to be at a certain height for that to be a successful attempt yeah. if that makes sense and so I could feel that and I was just like really stressed out and honestly like the conversation is like escaping from right now because I think it's a bit like buried deep mm -hmm. but all I remember is I heard like what sounded like a chair falling over and then a gasp for breath. And then I was like, Lance, 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 like, are you here? And he didn't answer. And so I hung up and I called 911 and then it didn't work because it was 911 for my area. So I had to look up Louisiana's 911 and then call them. And then I just had to like, I kept on texting him and calling him. I tried texting him on messenger and like I tried texting his friends and he wasn't answering and then what always baffles me is that like I don't know if his phone died or something or he like had his phone in his hand and turned it off after I like but like when I called him the next time is like it went uh straight to voicemail so I'm like that's so weird I don't yeah. I don't but like I know what I heard you know what I mean mm -hmm. um like I know that was someone hanging themselves uh because I heard the chair fall over and I heard this like gasp for breath um, and like, I just remember sitting in my bed for two hours and being like, waiting for the police or waiting for someone to tell me if he was alive or not. And that is like the worst part. I think that's the worst part of it all is the waiting. Um, I had a huge time PTSD wise. Uh, the thing I struggled with was like waiting, like gas stations like filling up was like my nightmare red lights I hated them <laughs> and like it was like this feeling of just like stillness and I still struggle with it where stillness is really hard for me because it's like I feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop um but I went out of my room and I told my mom I was like hey I'm not sure but I think Lance might have died I'm not sure because she just come home from work and she's like okay like well we can't we shouldn't freak out before like we know anything and then I like, I think I 
got the text from his ex-girlfriend who was still friends with him from high school and she said that he had passed away and she called me actually no yeah she called me and I remember my first word was like okay okay and I was like very level-headed about it like I was really I'm accepting this like my first stage of grief was just like straight to acceptance and I was just like got it cool (laughs) thank you for telling me and like we planned to hang out the next day because she lived in LA too uh but uh yeah I just remember after that I had this like almost euphoric sense of happiness which sounds awful but it was like my defense mechanism emotion like obviously I was I will I it was also I went through like I feel like I went through all the five stages of grief and like like the, the couple hours but like at first I just didn't know what to do so I just kept on taking a shower and like I just like sat in my shower and like I think my mom came and checked in on me and just like like scream wailed like just so sad and like I just didn't know what to do so I just like kept on taking a shower and it was like it was just hard because like like you don't know what to do with your body you know like you can't just like you're just like, you feel stuck because you're like, I can't just like go on a walk or like make dinner. You're like, I, I just don't know. Like it's just a state of shock. And like, but then after that shock went, I was like, everyone went to bed and I just started listening to music. And I was like, my body was like, whoa, what is this new feeling? This is grief. This is like almost like this. Yeah, like I said, like euphoric sense of like newness and freshness and not it wasn't like i say happiness but like i don't mean that you yeah. know what i mean but it was like a like a re- like a i was like almost rejecting what was happening it was mm-hmm. like denial and i was just like listening to music about grief and like sadness and i was like oh, i'm in my feelings this is like so interesting and like new and different and i like was just so um like yeah in denial um but it was it was a really long road to be able to um like not feel guilty about what had happened and like not feel like it was my fault. Right. Yeah. I think I know it also was really hard because I kept on looking for therapists in my area because I was like, well, I gotta go to therapy, obviously. Yeah. And I just couldn't find anybody who like had experience with suicide witness survivors and like I remember I looked it up on Google and like I found this Canadian study from like 1990 where it was like 4% of the world is like a suicide witness survivor. And I was like, that's a really small percentage Mm -hmm. and like there's no resources for it. And I'm sure that number has gone up, but like, cause it's from 1990. And um, I just remember being like, I can't find any resources for myself. So like I did a lot of the healing like myself. Like, it was just a lot of crying, to be honest. And then you said that you suffered from PTSD as far as, like, the time and waiting. Yeah. I had, I had, well, I also had, like, some flashbacks, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I only had, like, two, but I remember one of them, I woke up. I was, I visited my friend uh, Katie in Tahoe after it happened, like, mm, three months after it happened. Mm And I woke up and I could just like hear him in my vo- in my head like dying. And so like the way I dealt with it is I would just take a bath and I would just like put my head into the water and like listen to the ro- I wouldn't like I'm not like trying to drown myself. That's, that's what it sounds like. But I would just like put my head under the water for like five seconds and just like listen to it come up and then like go back down mm-hmm. again. It would just like center and ground me, which like I didn't know like. I was like talking to the therapist one time. I was like, she's like, what are you doing? You're stressed out. I was like, sometimes I just like let the bath run. And like, she's like, yeah, like sounds and sensory things are really good for you to ground mm-hmm. yourself. Um, but I also felt like, and this sounds weird, but I was like, I felt like the water was the only thing that understood me because I was like this feeling of just like this like loud pounding is like what it felt like in my heart. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I was like, I just feel like this like water gets me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I guess like one thing that I, learned and like this this is like just my self that I learned this like not a therapist type thing um because everyone told me like don't feel guilty about it I'm like that's just the most freaking unhelpful advice that I could have because like of course it's only natural that I'm gonna feel guilty um but I, I told myself you're allowed to think guilty but not allowed to feel guilty and like what I meant by that is like I would allow myself to go down the rabbit hole of like well, what if I had done this? What if I done this? But I wouldn't allow myself to feel that rabbit hole. So I would always like supersede it. And like at the end of the rabbit hole, I'd be like, I'd find a reason in my feelings why that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, like I find a logical reason. So I like 
would like go through like the, and my brain is just evil <laughs> i feel like because it would always come yeah. up with a new reason like well what if i had facetime instead of called him what if when my mom came home she could have helped me with it if i told her about it you know and so like it was like torture a little bit but like it let i just had to like purge my brain of them and just like let my brain go there and like i had to just be like okay and then at the end i had to be like be strong in my resolve and be like no like it wasn't it wasn't my fault and this is why and like I gave myself a bunch of reasons and stuff like that and I think too the reason why your story is so important is well one like you said I think most importantly there the percentage is so low yeah so it's like anyone else that has felt this or experienced this it's almost like you provide that support for them and like to make them feel like they're not alone but also I think that there's so many people that date people or have friends that make suicidal comments. Yeah. And it can, even if it doesn't end up happening, it can leave people feeling extremely guilty. Yeah. And like they almost feel forced to stay in someone's life or be friends with them or provide that support. And I think that as much as you might care about somebody and as much as you can try to be there for them, this is kind of what you were saying earlier, I think, but not that it isn't your responsibility, but that isn't your demon to fight. Yeah. And it isn't something that you can like hold ov- over your shoulders. It's way too heavy. I think that the emotional toll that it takes on you is we're not meant to to deal with that. And yeah. I think that the most you can do is be there for somebody. Do your best to try to make sure that they're getting help. But like even with that, you can't control somebody else. Yeah, for sure. And no one, I don't think losing anybody is already hard enough and then hearing it and kind of almost knowing that it was planned out in a way and it's something that was like a build-up like he would make those comments and you kind of expected it you didn't know when but you kind of expected it it makes it so that much harder um and it's a very very traumatic loss yeah and i was gonna say like there's i remember telling my mom as awful it is as it is like when he died, there was a sense of just relief because I was like, "It's it's it happened." Yeah, and I because I kind of knew for a long time that it was go- in my gut. Right. I knew that it was going to. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, well, right. I don't know if that I knew, sense. but like, I don't think I knew actually. I more mean that like, I just was like, it was just so hard like making sure that he didn't die. You right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like my therapist used to say, "You're responsible to your friends, not responsible for your friends." Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that really encapsulates, like, the balance and the boundary you have to have with that, you know? Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I just remember going to, like, the funeral and everyone was like, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty because I knew what happened. And, like, it was this awful feeling. I remember I always compare it to as, like, I felt like I was a trophy on a case and everyone was, like, staring at me. But, like, I didn't win. Like, I, I felt like. Everyone was like, ooh, there's the girl whose boyfriend killed him, himself and she witnessed it. And then like random people from my university started following me. And I was like private just because I think they wanted to see what was going on because they right. heard about the drama. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't drama. This is traumatic for me. This right. is my life. Um, but like it was just like I remember people like just would keep saying that. And it just was the most unhelpful thing for me. Um but I feel like it was also just like lonely because there just wasn't a, it was like the blind leading the blind when it came to my therapists and they, I just like ran into, I for some reason had terrible luck and ran into terrible therapists like Mm -hmm. during that time. Um, and so I just feel like a lot of the healing I did myself and a lot of it, I I feel like the reason I was able to heal is because I'm a person who feels my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I feel completely healed from that. And I feel like it doesn't like really affect me beyond like a little bit of PTSD. Um, And I'm like, I'm not a person who compartmentalize. I have to, if like I feel something, like I have to let it out. And so like, there was just like nights when I was like alone in my house and I was just like wailing because like no one was around. I could like let it out. You know what I mean? Um, But like, I guess there is a part of me that like wants to like talk to the people and like through this, just like who have witnessed that in terms of just like the hope that, that there is um, because I think it can feel like really isolating. It's, and I and I think there's a balance also between like knowing you're not alone and also knowing that you're, you should have the dignity of your own individual experience because there is 
like some loneliness in it like it does it's a very isolating experience because one no one wants to talk about suicide mm. and two like no one wants to talk about much less when someone like witnesses it you know what i mean yeah. and so like i just felt like it was hard too because a lot of my friends were just underprepared to help me and i think if it had happened to like one of my friends i would understand just like the not knowing what to do and so I just felt like a lot of my friends abandoned me and I think we're all in good terms now so mm -hmm. and I really appreciate them because they ended up showing up for me in the end but it was this sense of like no one knew what to do um and so like if like there is anyone listening to us who has like witnessed a suicide I guess I do want to say that like you can ride that line of knowing you're not alone but also knowing that there is like a dignity in experiencing your own personal like loss and like if you need to feel like you're alone and just like, I remember one time I talked to a mentor in my mind, she's like, maybe it's okay to say that you're alone. And like, when I said like, I was alone in that experience, like it just felt so like liberating and like, it felt like a justified statement. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause I just remember being so angry when my friends would tell me you're not alone. Cause I was like, but I feel so alone. Right. And so like, I, I and so also like to people who've gone through that, um, to have like a lot of grace for their friends, uh, because, even it's hard, it's a really hard thing to do. But like, I found, I found through everything that like, people who love you want to love you, they just might not know how sometimes. Yeah. Uh, not because they don't like you or because they hate you, just because it's a hard thing to deal with and no one's like trained in it. And like, Absolutely. it's also hard because like, you, um, like, you are experiencing everything, so you know what to do almost. Like, like not, not there's a sense of, like, not knowing what to do because it's so overwhelming. But, like, you are experiencing things, so you kind of wonder, like, why everyone else doesn't feel this way. But that's because they're not you. Yeah. But it can feel like the emotions are so overwhelming that you're, like, wondering, like, why is everyone else not feeling this way? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but also just, like, finding, like, hobbies and stuff was really helpful. Like... Um, one of my friends said, like, when something is taken out from you, it requires a – when someone is – my friend said, when something is taken from you, it requires a pouring out of us. And I felt that to be really true. And I found that, like, through my music and making music. Um, it was really healing because I was able to write about a really individual experience and make myself feel like it was universal by making lyrics that I feel like everyone could relate to. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I just felt – like that was really healing too because it was also a form of stillness that my PTSD could deal with because I was still like creating forward momentum through creativity while also just like sitting down at the piano. Mm -hmm. And like it really healed my inability to like be still, <laughs> which was really good. And also like I do feel like because I am a religious person, like I feel like my spirituality and my walk with God really helped heal me um, because I feel like I feel like I did so much healing away from God which I regret because I feel like it could have been so much more meaningful if I had done it with God because I was like angry at God when it all happened, understandably so. But like, I remember just feeling like after two years after it happened, I was like, man, like I didn't like involve God in my healing process. And I feel like I regret that because I feel like there's like a barrier now between me being able to heal with God because I'm just so removed from those emotions that I don't know how to like invite, invite God into this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my friend about that and he was like, you know, nothing is too late to be like redeemed by God. And I was yeah. like, huh, that's interesting. And so I was just like driving and I was like crying about Lance. I was like, God, can you redeem this? And I had been praying about that for a couple of days and I just felt like this wave of like redemption and relief and like wholeness. And so the sense of like just knowing that like you can heal for me, I can heal on my own, but, like, I can't heal fully without God and, mm -hmm. like, my spiritual journey, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I just, like, I don't know. I just encourage anyone who's going through a hard time to, like, try and reach out to, like, a higher source or something mm -hmm. within themselves or out there that, that might make them feel, like, you know, yeah, more connected. Just and I think, too, everybody heals at, at different rates. Yeah, and for sure unfortunately a lot of it is time and then just different outlets like you said yeah. and I think finding what works for you and you know sometimes it might be talking to somebody sometimes it might be 
a form of expression, like how with you it was with your music. And yeah. and sometimes it might just be silence. It, you, you never know. And I, I think there's no set time on healing. And yeah. I think we're always continually, like, we're always healing. Oh, for sure. Like, I mm-hmm. went to a musical last night, and, there, like, there's a song about, like, how this girl will like always love this man and she said my heart is set in stone like you like you can try and break me down but you won't basically and like I was like man I felt that about Lance Mm -hmm. and I cried because I was thinking about Lance and I was like there's some people that you I feel like I feel like God like destined me to love Lance like God gave me a purpose through loving Lance and like I feel like, yeah, it was my purpose for a time to love him. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that time has come to an end, to be honest. Um, Because just, like, writing everything down, I was like, you know what? I think Lance and I, like, I think that Lance, how do I say this? I think I was meant to love Lance in that time. But now I feel like I'm older and wiser and, like, I wouldn't date that person anymore. Right. I wouldn't date that person again. You know what I mean? And I think too, it takes sometimes going through an experience like that to set boundaries for yourself where in the future, you know, I wouldn't be able to handle dating someone like this. And that that isn't something that's healthy for, for me or yeah. my mental health. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that sometimes we, when we're younger too, we don't really know any better. I know. And I think that for sure. <laughs> it's easy to want to fix and help. And especially when you are a good person and you want to just make someone feel better and fix all their problems. Um, but yeah, I think too, you know, I always say everything happens for a reason, even the worst things that we don't understand. Yeah. Um, but you also now have this voice that you can help others yeah. that, like I said, even if somebody hasn't, experienced firsthand what you have there like I said there's so many people that I feel like they know people that have threatened suicide and that's heavy Hard, also yeah, for sure so it's like I feel like it you have this voice that can really help others not feel alone yeah and that's why I appreciate like the work you do just because I feel like there was a time where I felt like all I had was like my pride and I didn't have a voice I just felt ashamed and I felt like guilty and I didn't feel like I had like a ground to stand on to be like this is who I am. This is yeah. what my life means to me. This is what my story means to me. And of course, like I wouldn't have that immediately after that happened because those things take time to develop. Right. But like that's why I appreciate like this chance to come on and everything. Of course, I'm so glad that you wanted to come on and share yeah. your story. And and I think, like I said, not only is it so powerful for yourself to open up and be vulnerable and share your story, but it also really does touch so many other people. And it helps a lot of people not feel alone and to feel that support, which is so important. Yeah, for sure. I just remember there was this one night uh, I went to Thanksgiving to visit my family in Utah. And it was the same year that this had happened. So he died on May 23rd, 2019. And this was like mm, November 2019. And I just remember feeling so sad about Lance. And I like went down to like I was staying in their basement and they had like a little bedroom down there and I just was crying and I wanted to like wail out and just like let it out but I couldn't because like I'm around my family and friends and I remember texting my friend like I feel this huge pain in my gut and I just feel like I I like will never stop crying like I don't feel like I'm ever going to get over this and I just like want to say to someone who like might feel this way or to like my younger self that like my friend told me like there will be a time when you like will be past this and like if you can't like hold that belief for yourself, like try and find a friend who can hold that belief for you and mm-hmm. like hold vigil for you like while you wait for that time to come. And like my friend Grayson was that person for me. Um, and so like letting yourself know that like even though it feels like forever, there is a way out and like the only way out is through. So like you're going to have to feel pain. You're going to have yeah. to like deal with the crap that, that comes with like healing yes healing yeah Yeah. and like it's not gonna be pretty but it will be worth it you know what i mean and like it makes you stronger yeah and like you don't have to be defined by what happened to you either like it can inform and impact who you are but like i don't feel like that is like my main identity you know what i mean and like it's just a part of your story it's just a part of my story and like also i think that like yeah the only way out is through and just like there will come a time when like you feel like your life is full again like i was visiting my friend this weekend and I was like man I'm so happy and I'm so full Mm -hmm. and like I never thought that was possible for me like and there's a song lyric that goes like and I live so well and how can it be possible for one person to live with all this life and I feel that way about my life and like um it's just like 
I remember one of my friends, who's not my friend anymore, was like, yeah, you're never going to get over that. And I was like, thanks. That doesn't help me feel any better. Mm-hmm. But, like, you do and you grow. And, like, as long as you, like, oh, hi, pup. As long as you choose to make your life better, you will. Yes, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's great. And like I said, you did such a good job. And thanks. I think that that is a really important thing to remember is that healing does take time and yeah. it's never really easy but that's yeah. how we come out stronger yeah and that's how we we learn and we grow and it sucks but it's a part of life yeah and um, it's a beautiful part of life honestly yeah. i wouldn't like i look back on my journey with everything that happened with lance and i think it's very beautiful and empowering and like right. it was hard but like it was so worth it and it's made my life so much more meaningful and richer yep. and it's made me wiser it's made me a better friend a better person it's like impacted me and made me stronger so absolutely cheers to that right yes <laughs> and you did incredible and seriously thank you. thank you so much for coming yeah, on i really appreciate it thanks you did so good